Hello. Am I on? Can you hear me? Nice. Well, good morning, church. It's really awesome to be with you guys again. Um, me and Brayden just got back from a two-week trip to Ireland, and it was amazing. We got to volunteer at a community out there called Corrymeela in Northern Ireland, which works for peace and reconciliation between the Protestants and the Catholics there. And it was just amazing to be able to be a part of that and see what God is doing in Ireland. And obviously being with my people, the gingers, I finally wasn't a minority. Everyone was pale and I was like, yes, no sun. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> but um, today we are going to discover something about the reckless love of God. And I want to invite God to take us on a journey and teach us what true love looks like. So let's just pray and invite Holy Spirit this morning. Papa God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we honor you. We acknowledge that you are here right now. God, I thank you that your love is so outrageous and it's so large. I thank you that you, you welcome us to come to you just as we are. And today I pray that each one of us would be able to go away with something that you've spoken intimately to our hearts. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I thank you for who you are and and your promise to meet us when we come to you, when we call to you. Amen. I'm not sure how many of you have ever thought of Jesus as a reckless lover, but it's actually one of my most favorite things. God began to take me on a journey about two years ago, um, learning what love really looks like. And I've been learning, of course, ever since. But before we talk about God's reckless love, I want to talk for a moment about the word reckless. And the common definition, the more conventional definition, reckless means marked by lack of proper caution or careless of the consequences. Reckless in the Webster's Dictionary means irresponsible. But this word can also be used to describe God's relationship with us and his love towards us. Reckless doesn't necessarily mean unsafe or impulsive. It means all in, abandoned, selflessly loving at any cost. And I think recklessness isn't concerned with the personal consequences of one's actions. And funny enough, as I was walking on this journey with God, Corey Asbury, a worship leader, released a song and really a whole movement called Reckless Love. And I feel like God is doing something in our generation. Generation meaning everyone in this room, young and old. But um, Corey Asbury, as he was asked to kind of go into depth as to why he wrote the song, Reckless Love. He does a really good job 
at explaining why a negative word would be used to describe God. And I'm just going to read that. He says, I'm not saying that God himself is reckless. I am, however, saying that the way he loves in many regards is quite so. What I mean is this. He is utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions in regards to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. His love isn't crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike. And might I even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous. His love bankrupted heaven for you. That's awesome. I'm so excited. God's love is awesome. (laughs) But where do we see this love in the Bible? Because we can sing songs and prophesy and write spoken words, but we need to have the foundation of the word of God. And as I began to walk on this journey of learning what reckless love was, uh, my heart was just broken in the best way possible when I found that love in the Bible. So where do we see this love? Love incarnate. Jesus, of course. And through his parables, Jesus teaches us who him and his father actually are. That they're persistent, never giving up, intentional, joyful. And we know that God loves recklessly because of what is said in Luke chapter 15 which contains probably the most well-known parables of all time. So if you want to turn there with me, we'll begin reading Luke 15. Now on the screen I have um, the verses we're going to read today as well. If you didn't bring your Bibles, you can follow along. And I've chosen to use the Passion Translation, which is currently in my favorite translation. I encourage you all to read it. It's very poetic and beautiful. So at the start of Luke 15, I'm going to give a little bit of context. Jesus has gathered a crowd in the city. And the Jewish leaders have come, as they normally did, to bring up their concerns with Jesus about how he was acting and, more importantly, who he was associating with. They said to Jesus, or they said about Jesus, look at this man who associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them to come to him. A.K.A. Jesus, why are you loving people who don't deserve it? Well, in response to the Jewish leader's statement, Jesus tells a story. And it starts in verse 4. There once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the ninety-nine lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he found it. With exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. Returning home, he called all his friends and neighbors together and said, Let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and brought it home. Jesus continued, 
In the same way, there will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one sinner who repents, comes back home, and returns to the fold. More so than for all the righteous people who never strayed away. Here, Jesus begins to paint a ravishing picture of the reckless love of God. Jesus is teaching us the characteristics of him and his father. Throughout this morning, I want to highlight three truths about the reckless love of God, and this parable brings us to the first one. God's reckless love brings us home. Now, the Jewish leaders were shocked at this parable because they wanted justice. There's a man named William Barclay, who is a theologian from the 20th century, and um, he has amazing commentaries on Luke 15. And he says this, We will understand these parables more fully if we understand that the strict Jewish leaders said, not that there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, but there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. They looked sadistically forward, not to the saving, but to the destruction of the sinner. And this gives us a kind of context as to where the Jewish leaders were coming from. And Jesus was giving them a complete 180. He was rewiring their brains. The shepherds of Judea were diligent people. They were brave, facing every weather condition. They fought off coyote and bear probably multiple times a week. And they were always focused, even all hours of the night, watching all the scattered sheep and each one of them on his heart. It's no wonder that this title was placed on Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And, you know, it was all in a day's work for the shepherd to risk his life for his sheep, and the same goes for God. And in this parable, we see the recklessness, leaving everything else, all the other sheep to find the one, the one that was foolish enough to run away, the one that was taken away to the bear's den. Jesus, the good shepherd, risks it all for us. And in verse 4, it says, He searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb, and he didn't stop until he found it. And there's a picture that I want to show you guys. I love it. Jesus risking it all for the lost lamb. I believe that there's a tenderness in the heart of who Jesus is. In verse 5, it says, With exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. This is important because he doesn't reprimand the bewildered sheep. He doesn't make it list off all its wrongdoings, the way it shouldn't have wandered away, the way it should have stayed close to the shepherd. Jesus searches day and night, and when he finds us, he places us on his shoulders And with joy in his eyes, he brings us home. It doesn't make sense. And we don't deserve it. And this is reckless love. The next parable in Luke 15 is the parable of the lost coin. 
And at this point, Jesus is still amongst the crowd. And I imagine he's looking around after telling of the good shepherd and thinking, let's keep going. Jesus has got something up his sleeve. And this brings us to truth number two. Through God's reckless love, we find value. Jesus begins to tell this parable that starts up in verse 8. And you guys can follow with me. There once was a woman who had ten valuable silver coins. When she lost one of them, she swept her entire house, diligently searching every corner of her house for that one lost coin. When she finally found it, she gathered all her friends and neighbors for a celebration, telling them, come and celebrate with me. I had lost my precious silver coin, but now I found it. That's the way God responds every time one sinner repents and returns to him. He says to all his angels, let's have a joyous celebration for the one that was lost I have found. So in this parable, Jesus is describing a common woman of this time period, I'm assuming. And she resembled what was most likely a lower class first century Palestinian woman, meaning she didn't have much of anything, rights, a voice, possessions. So what she did have was very, very valuable to her. And actually in the first centuries, Jewish women were given a headdress adorned with silver coins on their wedding day, which represented today's engagement ring or wedding ring. And it's thought that one of these coins was the one that she could have lost. But this parable reminds me of a story from my childhood. It was summertime, and I was about five years old, and my mom was doing um, garden work in the front yard, and I wanted to go out to see her. So I went by the front door, and I was putting on my Velcro shoes, and on the side table there, I saw her diamond engagement ring. And my logical five-year-old brain thought, well, my mom must have forgot her ring inside, so I'm going to bring it out to her. So I hopped outside, and I put the ring in my little blue wagon, and I trailed it all the way from the backyard to the front yard. And when I got there, I said... Mom, I found your ring. You forgot it. Well, I forgot that my little blue wagon had a bunch of holes in the bottom of it. And let me just say my mom was less than thankful. Sorry, Mom. Still, like, trying to repair that. Um, <laughs> because the ring was lost. I mean, like, lost. The front yard for the next year was torn apart. We had metal detectors and shovels, and everyone from my grandpa to any neighbor that could help was searching for this ring, because my mom had lost something extremely precious to her. Sorry again. (laughs) But this is a great analogy and a perfect example of the woman in the story and of God. We were lost. And we are loved. So God tears the house apart, searching for the thing that he loves, the possession of great value, you and me. When God finds us, he shouts with joy, 
Ah, the one I love, I found you. Now, unlike this story, my mom actually never found her ring. (laughs) But about six years later, on their anniversary, my dad bought my mom a brand new engagement ring. What a guy. I mean, that's, wow. The romance. (laughs) And my mom was ecstatic. She was like freaking out. Every day she would say, have you seen my ring? Have you seen my ring? Have you seen my ring? To everyone she could think of. And because me and my sister Sophia lived with her, we got it the most. And we would say, yes, you literally told us five minutes ago. So. Um, and this is how Jesus is with us. We are his prized possession. He is filled with joy because we are valuable. We were once lost, but he found us. We are worth finding. We are worth seeking. He says, take a look at my son. Look at my daughter. They were once lost, but now they are found. And this brings us to our last parable in Luke 15. It starts up in verse 11. Then Jesus said, there once was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given on a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in that land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. Then the son was so famished, he was even willing to eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing and thought, There are many workers in my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed like a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms and hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the father said, sorry, then the son said, father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. And bring the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate, 
For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he is alive again. He was once lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Now, the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of his servants and asked, What's going on? The servant replied, It's your younger brother. He's returned home, and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him, Come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, Father, listen. How many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you. But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He has come back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a feast to celebrate for him. The father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Wow. Our last truth today is God meets our reckless living with his reckless love. See, what makes this story so radical isn't the son's behavior. It's not the son's reckless living which causes this to be the most well-known parable in the whole Bible. It's the father's actions which cause us to gasp in awe. It's the father's outrageous grace. And when somebody gets an inheritance, it's usually because somebody has passed away. Right, And so when the younger son asked for his part of his father's inheritance, he was pretty much saying, you're dead to me. You're better off dead. I just want your money, and I'm going to go. The son gambled. He cheated. He slept with women. He even lived with the pigs, which for a Jewish person, by the way, who was even forbidden to touch a pig, was the most disgraceful thing he could have ever done. He was the lowest of the low. And the son's actions demanded punishment according to the law. And this, I think, is what the people in the crowd that Jesus was talking to were assuming that Jesus would do to the sinners in their midst, that they would be punished. Yes, the son will live as a servant for the rest of his life. I can hear them all banter. But Jesus is about to rock their worlds. There may have been many sons who were dumb and foolish, but only one father who loved so deep, who loved like this, who loved recklessly. Because the father breaks the status quo. He breaks societal norms. He tosses his dignity out the window and he runs. For 
a ruler to lift up his robe and run, that was unheard of. He had servants to go walk around and run. He never really went anywhere he didn't want to go. But he lifts up his robe and he runs down the dusty road to meet his son. He meets him on the road home. When he could have reprimanded him, he hugged him. And when he could have slapped him, he kissed him. And here's the crazy thing, guys. He doesn't just give the son a new robe. He gives his son his very own robe. Probably right off his back. You will get my very, very best, the father says. My very best. Reckless love breaks all the rules. And this is the father that we serve. It's so amazing. So outrageous. When Jesus is telling these parables, he's trying to get a truth across. And he told these parables, these stories with hidden meaning, so that we could run after God ourselves. So the fact that he doesn't just tell one, but three parables about the lost being graciously found has to mean something. This is at the very core of who our God is. Here's a story for everyone in this society, for the shepherd, for the widow, for the rich ruler. Jesus leaves no room for interpretation. No, in every possible way, the lost will be found. I Today, I just hear the Trinity shouting, I love you. And nothing you could do could ever change that. And you could never earn it. Can Jesus say it any louder? William Barclay, the guy I was talking about before, he says this about Luke 15. Luke 15 has been called the gospel in the gospel. As if it contained the very distilled essence of the good news that Jesus came to bring. The gospel is that Jesus came to save the lost. The ones that wandered away, the ones that were taken. The gospel is the father's love. He sent his son to die for you. Did you know that his love saw you when you hated him? When you spat on him and when you kicked him, he loved you when you did not deserve it. The gospel is grace and salvation for us all. The gospel that Jesus came to tell is the reckless love of God. I don't deserve it, and I couldn't earn it. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. One of the reasons why I decided to share on this topic was because I was the lost sheep. I was the prodigal son in my own church, 
in my own heart. I was caught up in the shrubbery just like the sheep, and it was stabbing me. And I had spent all my worth like the sun trying to earn love, trying to prove myself worthy of love. I found that I built up all these walls to keep my heart safe, but in doing so, no one could get in to help me. The walls kept everyone out. And I realized that I thought I didn't need God. I thought that if he couldn't save my grandmother from dying, if he couldn't save my best friend from doing destructive things to herself, then obviously he couldn't save me. So I ran and I ran, all the while being nestled in the church. Who would have thought that a child that grew up in the church for 23 years could be a prodigal? But my heart was broken, and my eyes were too tired to cry anymore. But one night, Papa God revealed to me my brokenness. And I was faced with the fact that I was very, very far from home. And I was ashamed, and I was devastated that I had written off my one true love, my King Jesus. And just like the prodigal, I started writing my rebuttal, my please love me again speech. But he took me in his arms and he whispered, sweetheart, I've never stopped. I've never stopped loving you. That is reckless fluff. (laughs) It's reckless to stay. For him to hold me when I rejected him. For him to welcome me home when I had a book full of the wrong things that I've done. (laughs) Guys, it's more than just constant. God's love bankrupted heaven for you. He gave his son. His son so that he could hold you. So that sin would no longer run like a disease through your body so that you could be healed and clean. God says it's worth it. Do you realize that? He says that you're worth it. You are worthy of my reckless love, he says. When Jesus died on that cross, he put a price on you. He says, I will give up my own life to save you. I will be beaten and tortured and killed. All the while, he's got you on his mind. I love her. I love her. I love her. I love him. I love him. He's worth it. And now he's risen and he sings that over you again and again. I love you because I love you because I love you. It's unconditional love. It's not I love you because blank. Because what if you stop doing that thing? then his love would stop. But he loves you because he loves you because he loves you, and it just keeps going and going. It doesn't make sense, and we don't deserve it. But that's grace. That's reckless love. And as we close...
I want to just welcome us into a time of prayer. And I want to invite the worship team back up. And if anything I said today resonates with any of you at all, myself and the ministry team would love to pray for you. And this call is for everyone, but I've kind of broken it down into two things. And the first one is if you have never experienced this love or you want to feel it in a new way, God is ready for you. Like the father seeing the son from a long way off, he is waiting and expectant for you. Like the good shepherd, God is searching mountain high and valley low for you. And like the woman with the lost coin, he will not stop searching until he can hold you in his arms. This isn't a generic altar call. It's intentional. It's specific. It's intimate. It's a call from your father to receive the reckless love that he longs to give you. But what if you don't relate to anything that I said? What if you don't feel like the lost sheep, the lost coin, or the the prodigal son? Maybe you were always in the church like I was. Maybe even longer than me because I'm only 23. (laughs) Maybe you're there in person like the eldest son but you're not here in heart. In your heart, you actually live with the pigs. And you write speeches to show Papa God that you're good enough, maybe without even realizing it. Because I think sometimes it's really easy for us as Christians just to go through the motions. And you can fake it for a long time. You really can't. can say the prayers and raise your hands. And sometimes you're like, oh, I'm raising my hands. I didn't even realize I was doing that. (laughs) Just because that's what you've always done. I'm not saying that that is people here, but that's definitely part of my story that I walked through. But God's reckless love is for you too. And he says to you what he said to me, my love is always with you. He's never left. And maybe you need that revelation. 